The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Well, Jalo again, this is Buck Benny speaking. It's wonderful to see that these Gunsmoke episodes mixed with The Six Shooter with Jimmy Stewart are becoming some of my most popular podcasts for people to listen to, and that's fantastic. Uh, tonight we have Kane, written by John Meston, as our Gunsmoke script, and after that, we have The Six Shooter in Battle at Tower Rock. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, that was a uh, rehearsal for the Gunsmoke episode uh, called Railroad. Uh, it was a great episode to listen to and very different from a lot of the other episodes, so very worthwhile to listen to if you haven't. And even though it's a rehearsal, it's beautifully done. It sounds almost like a finished episode in lots of ways. So, uh, without further ado, though, let's get to tonight's episode. I love Meston scripts, and it's going to be fun with uh, John Meston, followed by a fun episode of the Six Shooter Battle at Tower Rock. I hope you enjoy both of them. We'll see you next week. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Smoke, starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Do you have to do that? You're just stirring up a lot of dust. Well, <coughs> cleanliness is next to godliness, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I know, I know, Chester, but all you're doing is getting it off the floor into the air. Man can hardly breathe in here. <coughs> all right, Mr. Dillon. Ah. I'll do my sweeping later. Yeah, good. My mother taught me that, Mr. Dillon. Taught you what, Chester? That cleanliness is next to godliness. 
she was a fine woman, too. Oh, look, Chester, it's a good saying, and it's probably true, and I got nothing against your mother except that she also should have taught you how to sweep. Well, maybe she just didn't have the time, Mr. Dillon. You see, there was an awful lot of us, and oh, what with chores Matt. and... Oh, hello, Doc. Uh, come on, uh, I'll buy you a drink. Uh, what? Doc said he'd buy you a drink, Mr. Dillon. He really said that? You coming? <laughs> Doc, you gotta quit throwing your money around the way you do. Uh, maybe you don't need a drink. Uh, no, wait a minute, Doc. I'm with you. <laughs> I'll tell you all about it when I get back, Chester. I'd be mighty interested, Mr. Dillon. Oh, sure be glad when it gets winter again. Why, Doc? You'll just complain about the cold, then. Oh, I suppose. You go sit with Kitty, Matt. I'll bring a bottle of Irish over. Okay, Doc. Hello, Kitty. Hello, Matt. What are you and Doc up to? Yeah, he wants someone to talk to, so he picked me. And you. Fine. I'm a good listener. Lots of practice. <laughs> you like Jameson's, don't you, Kitty? Sure, Doc. What are we celebrating? Let's see here. We'll drink to a fella that you don't know. Uh-huh. Cain Vestal. Well, here's to him. Yeah. Here's to him. <laughs> yes, he'll be dead in a couple of months. What? That's what I told him. What do you mean, Doc? Well, I'm not the only one who's told him that. I'm just the last. Well, who is this Cain Vestal, Doc? Oh, it's just a fella came in on the train last night, leaving for Arizona tomorrow. Huh? That's where he's going to die, in Arizona. He's a musician. He plays the guitar, it tells me. Well, how's he going to die? Consumption. He's got it bad. I'm the last doctor he's going to ask about it, he says. Oh, poor fella. Yes, climb it out there, keep him going for a little while longer. Oh, I don't know, he's... He's such a sad man for some reason. Well, who wouldn't be, Doc? No, 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 Kitty. I think Kane's been sad for a long, long time. He's a very nice fellow, too. Nothing can help him, huh? No, nothing. You know, it's a funny thing, Doc. I'm just sitting here thinking. Sometimes you have to tell men they're going to die. Sometimes I have to. Yeah, that's right, man. Oh, let me see. Uh, there he is. See that fellow with the car there? He just came in. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he knows anyone around here. You mind if I ask him over? Well, sure. You'd party, Doc. Oh, good. Uh, uh, Kane? Uh, Kane? Uh, over here? Yeah. Uh, 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 sit down. Sit down. Kane, this is Kitty. Hello, Kane. This is Kitty. <laughs> this is Marshall Dillon. Hello, Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet There we are. Have a drink. Oh, thank you, Doc. Uh, this your first trip west, Kane? Yes, Marshal, it is. Oh, well, where are you from? Why, no place in particular, Miss Kitty. I seem to spend most of my life on the Mississippi River. I, I thought you were a musician. I am. 
I was hired to ride the river boats and play my guitar for the passengers. Oh. <laughs> well, at least you've had a constant change of scenery. <laughs> <laughs> After 20 years of going up and down that river, it got pretty familiar, Marshal. <laughs> well, Kane, I knew a young fellow back in St. Louis before the war, and he was learning to be a river pilot. <laughs> Say, I wonder if you ever ran into him. Name of Clemens, Sam Clemens. No, Doc, I don't believe I did. Oh, he was a very amusing fella. He was just chock full of stories. Um, you leaving Dodge tomorrow, King? I'm headed for Arizona, Miss Kitty. No reflection on Dodge, though. <laughs> uh, if you had a place out there called Tombstone, I uh, wish you'd look up Virgil Earp for me. Uh, tell him I sent you, huh? Thanks, Marshal. I'll do that. Say, Kane, I wonder, uh, could I ask you a favor? Well, certainly, Miss Kitty, anything at all. Well, would you play something for us? I had an idea that's what it'd be. <laughs> anything in particular? Oh, play something you like, Kane. Another girl I knew used to like this one. Thank you, Miss Kitty. I wish you were going to stay here a while. Maybe you could teach me to play like that. Huh? It'd be a pleasure, Miss Kitty. But I'm afraid I won't be around for long. Morning, Mr. Dillon. It's uh, noon, Chester. Yes, sir, I know, but you went off with Doc yesterday, so I figured I had a little time coming today. Well, that depends on how you spent it. Now, if you've been gambling, oh, I am... now, Mr. Dillon, you know I never gamble. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I, I was out helping a fellow learn to shoot a six-gun, that's all. Now? You mean there's a man in Dodge who doesn't know how? This fellow don't. Never had one in his hand before. He's a musician. What? It plays the guitar, he told me. You mean Kane? Uh, Kane Vestal? Yes, sir, that's his name. Nice a fellow as you'd ever want to meet. Yeah. But he was supposed to leave on the stage this morning. And what's he done with a six-gun, anyway? Well, I don't know, Mr. Dillon. He just come by here early this morning and asked me if I'd teach him. Yeah. Now, where'd he get the gun? Said he'd just bought it. 
Anything wrong, Mr. Dillon? No, no. It just doesn't add up somehow, that's all. Well, he won't cause any trouble. He's not the sort. You never know, Chester. Mm, No, sir. My kitty looks pretty this morning. She's got a yellow parasol, Mr. Dillon. Kitty? I think I'll go see her for a minute. Uh, I'll be right back, Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Kitty? Uh, hello, Matt. <laughs> Kitty, I'd like to talk to you for a minute. Oh, sure. What is it? Uh, I'm curious about something, Kitty. Maybe you can help me. Maybe. How long was Kane Vessel with you yesterday? Kane? Oh, well, he didn't leave till evening. Why? Well, he didn't go out on the stage this morning, and he's bought himself a six-gun. You any idea why? A gun? Huh? Doesn't sound like Kane. Anything happened yesterday, Kitty, or did he tell you anything? Well, yeah, might... there was one thing, Matt. Joel Adams and a couple of his men came in. Yeah. Kane got pretty upset when he saw him had a bad coughing spell. Huh? Later, he asked a lot of questions about Adams. Well, what'd you tell him? Just that Adams is a big landowner around here that nobody who isn't working for him likes him very much. That's all I know, anyway. Yeah. Uh, they didn't talk, Adams and Kane. No. I don't think they even know each other. Well, anyway, he sure isn't the sort to be packing a gun. Well, you'll just get into trouble, Matt. Yeah. Uh, where's he staying, did he say? Dodge house, I think. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Kitty. I'll see you later. Kane. Well, Marshal Dillon. Come in, come in. Ah, thank you. <clears throat> what can I do for you, Marshal? I, uh, I thought you were leaving Dodge on the stage this morning. Well, I was, Marshal, but I changed my mind. You know how it is. Sure, Kane, sure. Now, we're glad to have you around. I, uh, I'm just curious, though. You're, uh, staying, have anything to do with that gun you bought this morning? Oh, Chester told you. I thought he would. He's a good teacher, Marshal. (laughs) Yeah. But that doesn't answer my question. Do I have to answer it? I'm just trying to help you, that's all. Yeah, I I appreciate that, Marshal, but... I'm afraid there's nothing you can do. Look, Kane, you're new in this country. A man like you just can't pick up a six-gun and call himself a fighting man. Not and expect to live through it. I certainly lay no claim to be a fighting man. Then why did you buy that gun? There's no law out here against a man having a gun, is there, Marshal? No. But any man who carries one is expected to use it when the time comes. You'd be a lot safer without one. Being safe 
doesn't mean a whole lot to me, Marshal. Not now. Yeah, I, I know. Doc told me. What's it all about? It's a long story. And an old one, I suppose. I'd really rather not talk about it. Well, I can't force you to. But, but tell me this. Does it have anything to do with Joel Adams? Yes, it does, Marshal. I'm gonna kill him. When? I don't know. Anytime. Well, why? That's a long story I mentioned. All right, Kane. But if you try to face him, he'll kill you before you got that gun halfway out of your belt. And if you shoot him any other way, you'll hang for it. You've forgotten something, Marshal. What? No matter what I do, I'm going to die soon anyway. A month or two isn't going to make any difference. You hate Adams that much? I wouldn't kill a man I didn't hate, would I? I didn't think you were the sort of man who'd kill anyone. Only Joel Adams, Marshal. Then I gotta warn him about you. Well, I understand, Marshal. It's all right. He doesn't know me anyway. Never even saw me before. But you want to kill him? Yes, sir. Well, I'll take your gun away from you, but you'll just find another one. And I can't arrest you unless I catch you trying to bushwhack him. Well, I'm sorry for the trouble I'm causing you, Marshal. You know, I've never had to deal with a man like you before, Kane. Maybe I ought to just tie you up and throw you on that stage. You could. But I'd just come right back. <sighs> I guess you would. I'm sorry this has to happen here in Dodge, Marshal. Then why don't you leave? I guess I hate Joel Adams too much. All right, Kane, I'm through trying to convince you. So long. Bye, Marshal. Kane Vestal, Marshal, and I never saw him before last night. You must have known him somewhere, Adams. You're trying to make me out a liar, Marshal. I'm trying to save Kane's life and yours, maybe. No, he ain't gonna shoot me. I'll kill him first time he looks sideways. Maybe you won't see him. Oh, shoot me in the back, eh? Well, in that case, it... In that case, what? Why, nothing, Dylan, nothing. Forget it. If Kane's shot in the back, you'll be the first man I take in, Adams. I don't even know him. Why should I shoot him? I'm only warning you. Well, just leave me be, Marshal. I can take care of myself. See that you do, Adams, and only yourself. Why, sure, Marshal. I don't much like the idea of some stranger gunning for me. Makes me sort of uneasy. There must be some reason for it. Don't start it again, Marshal. Ain't no reason. I know. You've led a blameless life. You never hurt anyone. I you, told Adams? you twice. There now, are men around know? here who'd shoot you on sight if they thought they could get by with it. I don't think you were ever any good, Adam, so don't tell me that Kane's got no reason. I don't You're believe it. You're pushing me now, I'm Marshal. I'm tired of your talk, that's all. Maybe it's true you don't know him, but he sure knows something about you. Well, then he'll wish he didn't. That's all I got to say. Well, just keep out of his way. Give it a little time, and maybe there won't be any killing at all. Why, sure, sure. All the time in the world. All right, Adams. I've done all I can. Just don't worry about me. 
I'm not. Then goodbye, Marshal. Goodbye. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, back tomorrow night. Pull up your chair, or better still, roll back your rug. It's the Vaughn Monroe Show returning to the star's address. Listen for Vaughn, the Moon Maids, the Moon Men, and their wonderful way with popular music and songs. Once again at their old familiar Saturday night time on CBS Radio. Remember, they're coming back tomorrow night. You and the whole family are invited to this season's scintillating premiere of the Vaughn Monroe Show on most of these same stations. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Sure is quiet around town tonight, Mr. Dillon. There's a trail herd doing in a couple of days. I suppose business will pick up then. Mm. You'd think those cowboys be too tuckered out after a ride like that to have any juice left in them at all, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> yeah, they're too poor to cut loose any other time. Well, that don't stop them down in Texas, Mr. Dillon. No? No. It's just like an uncle of mine back in Waco. He was poor. Oh, he was mean poor. But he always said the only good money was was to have fun with. Well, did he have fun? But, no, he was too poor, like I said. <laughs> All right, Chester. All right. All I ask is that you don't try to explain it to me. Well, but there's nothing to explain, Mr. Dillon. It, it's just uh, it's just that he was the Chester. one poorest Chester. man you'd ever... Uh, Marshal, say, you want to talk to Kane Vestal? What? Uh, Kane is upstairs in my office. He been shot? No, no, not shot. Beat up. Well, how is he, Doc? Well, he's not too bad. A couple of cowboys found him just outside of town. They heard a shot and said two men rode off before they could stop them. Yeah? And I guess whoever it was, they didn't have time to finish the job. They just got started working on him. So Adams made the first move, huh? Uh, I'll be back soon, Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. They hit him on the head with a gun butt and scratched him up some. Outside of that, he's fine. It's still a Saul, even if they didn't kill him, Doc. Yeah, I suppose it is. Anyway, they took a shot at him when they heard those riders coming along. Went right through his coat. Yeah. They probably think he's dead. So that's where you went, Doc. I might have known. Didn't even give you a chance to use that gun, did he, Kane? I didn't have a gun on me, Marshal, but it wasn't he. It was they. Huh? Did you recognize them? I don't know many people around here. You know Joel Adams, so you told me. It wasn't Adam. Could you pick him out if you saw him again? No, Mar Marshal, I don't believe I could. Where were you when they grabbed you, Kane? Into Front Street. I was taking a walk after supper. They rode up behind me, one on each side, lifted me up, and mm -hmm. carried me out of town a ways. You must have got a good look at him, at least when they got off their horses. It was too dark, Marshal. Yeah. 
Doc, how long has he been here? Oh, oh about half an hour, Marshal. Those cowboys who saw you, Kane, they brought you right in here, didn't they? Yes. So it was maybe an hour ago when those two men hauled you out of town? It was plenty light enough then. Was it, Marshal? You're going to fight it yourself, aren't you? Yes, Marshal. It, it's my affair. It was, Kane, but you've been assaulted and shot at, so it's the law's business now. I won't prefer any charges, Marshal. You don't have to. I've seen you, and I know who did it or who hired it done as well as you do. Oh, please, Marshal. i got to handle this my own way. There's a law that says you can't murder a man, Kane, and the same law says he can't murder you. Are you so full of hate you can't get that through your head? Guess that's it, Marshal. All right, King. You do what you have to do. So will I. I've been looking for you. That's late, Dylan. Can't you see me tomorrow? It's not even midnight. That's early for you. <laughs> you see how this marshal's always trying to get me on the prod, boys? These boys of yours play pretty rough themselves, Adams. Meaning? Didn't they tell you? Tell me what? What they did to Kane Vestal? They did not kill Kane Vestal, and you can't prove it. No, Adams, I can't. Kane isn't even dead. What? You know, I'm curious, Adams. Why'd you think he might be? Why, why, somebody said he got himself hurt. Joel Adams. You arranged this, Marshal? You know I didn't. Who is he? What does he want? Hello, Joel Adams. Don't strain yourself so you don't know me. Who are you? Cain Vastel. But my name doesn't matter. What are you haunting me for? I never saw you before in my life. That's true. You didn't. But we had a friend in common once. A friend? Who? Julie Travis. What about Julie? You were a riverboat gambler then, Adams, and you had money and fine clothes and a way with women, especially young girls. Julie was only 16 at the time. Never mind all that. So she went away with you to be married, you told her. Oh. <laughs> I think I guessed the rest. You wanted to marry her, but I got her instead. Is that it? That's it, Adams. <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, now I thought you really had something on your mind, Vestal. Well, all right, why don't you get out of here and quit bothering people while you can still walk? Julie... Killed herself, Adam. She committed suicide. What? You didn't know that, did you? Well, it's got nothing to do with me. Because you never married her after all. It was just a year after you abandoned her in New Orleans. I think it has a lot to do with you, Joel Adams. What are your plans, mister? I see you got a gun in your belt. Gonna kill you. Or so? When? Now? Right now. All right, Vestal, draw. Leave the gun where it is, Kane. 
One thing I always promised myself, Adams. Someday I'd spit in your face. Why, you... Give me the gun, Adams. He's dead. Well, he was going to kill me. You heard him. He wanted you dead, Adams, any way he could manage. I know it. That's what I say. You're under arrest for murder. Um, What? It was a gunfight. Kane never even moved for his gun. Well, then I'll hang for this. He couldn't have got me any other way. No, don't suppose he could have. I remember the river gamblers used to say... No matter how you win, so long as you win. That Kane should have been a gambler. Maybe he was. Come on, let's go. Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell with Georgia Ellis and Larry Dobkin. Parley Bayer is Chester. Howard McNear is Doc. Clancy Cassell speaking. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Both back this Sunday night, Edgar Bergen and Company and Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks. Yes, it's the Bergen and McCarthy Show with Mortimer Snurd, Podine Puffington, Effie Klinker, Ray Noble's Orchestra and guest stars. Back Sunday nights at the Star's Address starting this weekend. Returning the same night is our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden as an English teacher ever seeking her special degree in romance. For comedy galore, enjoy Bergen and McCarthy and our Miss Brooks on most of these same stations. Back this Sunday night presented by CBS Radio. This is Amos, but my real name is Freeman Gosden. I urge you to vote. And as Amos would say... Follow the election returns on the CBS Radio Network.
man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. James Stewart as The Six-Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Tower Rock sure was spruced up. Flags on almost every building, the big banners stretched all the way across Main Street, all the way from the roof of the hotel to the top of the Whitford Bank. Franklin County Fair, that's what it said. Prizes, rodeo, free barbecue, Saturday, August 20th, come one, come all. Well, tomorrow would be the 20th. I'd come to town day earlier and be sure of getting a room. Good thing I did, too. Only one left was on the second floor, the livery stable side of the hotel at that. I, I put my clean shirt in the dresser drawer and headed downstairs. The clock in the lobby said 3.15. Well, that, that meant I had time to sort of give Tower Rock the once over before supper. Thought maybe I'd wander over and see how Kermit and Rome were getting along. But just as I was crossing the street, I saw Rome come out of the front door. Rome! Hey! Hey, Rome! Oh, Britt. Well, well, well. Finally decided to put in an appearance, huh? How are you? I'm fine, Rome. Fine. I was just on my way over to see you. <laughs> You're not running short of cash, are you, Britt? No, no, no. No, this is going to be a social call. Not that I'm flush or anything like that. Come into town for the fair, huh? Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to one since I don't know when. I, I figured Dad Morgan's cattle would do without me for a few days, so... Well, how are things to you, Ron? Oh, so, 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 so. Yeah. Bessie, is she all right? Oh, pretty well, pretty well. Uh, Kermit and Thelma? They... I guess they're all right. You uh, you guess? I ain't inquired lately. Well, I better get moving. I told Bessie I'd pick her up at the schoolhouse. She's on the decorating committee. I'll see you later, Brad. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see you. <laughs> Couldn't figure out what was the matter with Ron. Why well, he froze up when I mentioned Kermit. Why well, they'd always been more like kin than in-laws. Folks said it sure was lucky for the Wickford girls to marry two fellows who got along so well. Especially after Jess Wickford died and left the bank to both his daughters, 50-50. He left Kermit and Rome and turned into first-class bankers, too. They well, the Wickford Bank probably oh, is worth about twice as much now than it was when Jess had run it. Well, hello, Britt. Where'd you come from? Hmm? Oh, Kermit. Oh, I was just thinking about you. About me? Yeah, well, I, I ran into Rome a minute ago. Uh, he... I suppose he was shooting off his mouth again. What? Well, no. Well, just no. don't believe everything you hear, Britt. There's two sides to every story. Remember that. Sure, Kermit. Well... Uh... I gotta be running along. Thelma was at the schoolhouse waiting for me to fetch her home. Well, you could have saved yourself a trip. Huh? Well, that's where Rome was heading to get Bessie. He could have picked her up, Thelma, at the same time. Well, you don't think they'd ride in the same buggy, do you? Huh? Well, I'll probably see you at the fair tomorrow. So long. 
wasn't any doubt about it. There's something that happened between the Binghams and the Madden, that's all. It must have been something pretty serious, too, the way Kermit and Rome had been acting. And knowing Thelma and Bessie like I did, I... Oh, boy, I sure was glad I wasn't involved in that. But they were real firm women, Thelma and Bessie. Yeah, always had been, ever since they were girls. Eh? I couldn't help wondering just... What had set them off? Not that it was any of my business, of course, but I... Well, Otis Spear did know. Yeah, being the Justice of the Peace and the local undertaker, he knew almost everything that went on in Foster County. You ain't never seen nothing like it, Britt, the way they've been behaving. Why, they ain't even spoke to each other for the past two months. You don't say. Take turns going to church. One Sunday, the Binghams attend services. Next Sunday, the Maddens. Just so Thelma and Bessie won't meet up. Well, that's the darn... I can't believe well, it. Well, that ain't it. the half, Britt, not the half. You remember the Social 16? You know them couples who always got together and played whist on Friday nights? Yeah. Well, it ain't the Social 16 no more. The Binghams pulled out, the McDaniels and Johnsons and the Potters, they left at the same time. We've got two social eats now. You, two, you mm. mean this foolishness has gone beyond Thelma and Bessie? Uh, other folks are taking sides, too? Well, see, they are. The whole town split right down the middle. Well, I never heard of such a thing. Well, how'd it start, anyway? Well, last May, last May, that was the beginning. Thelma's birthday is the first week in May. Her sister Bessie, just a year younger, almost to the day of birthdays, the um, 10th or 11th, right in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, seems Kermit bought his wife a new surrey for a birthday present, had it shipped all the way out from Kansas City. Thelma sure was proud, too. Well, you can't blame her. It was just about the nicest carriage this town had ever seen. Uh, the nicest until it came time for Rome to give Bessie her present the following week. You don't mean he bought Bessie a surrey, too? Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. Well, yeah, even fancier than the one Kermit gave to Thelma. Yep, a whole lot fancier. Red leather seats with real springs in them of a white top and painted white wheels. Of course, Rome said it was just, just a coincidence that he'd ordered Bessie Surrey long before he found out that's what Kermit was giving to Thelma. Well, and it sounds reasonable, too. He could have done yeah, that. Yeah, some folks think so, and some don't. Oh. The Kermit and Thelma claimed it was just plain spite work. The Rome and Bessie had always been jealous of them. Anyhow, that Surrey business just seemed to set everybody off, especially the women. Oh, being sisters, I guess they'd had their grievances before, but they'd always held them back. Now they just let fly in all directions. Why, Thelma's even going to... Uh, huh? What, what were you going to say, Otis? Oh, um, nothing, Britt, nothing. Uh, <clears throat> say, um, you're going to stay uh, for the fair, aren't you? Oh, yeah, sure, that's why I'm here. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. well, I was thinking, um, maybe, um, maybe you wouldn't mind helping me out. Oh? What? You see, I'm general chairman of the whole doings, and I got almost everything set, except some of the judging. Oh, well, I'm not much of an authority, but I guess I can tell a cow from a horse. Oh, no, 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 no. We're we're all fixed up in that department, but um, the uh, baked goods and preserves and pickles, well, I just haven't been able to find the right person to hand out the blue ribbons there. Oh, well, I don't know anything about cooking, Otis. I... Well, you know about tasting, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, that's okay. what you've got to do, Britt. Sample whatever they put in front of you and uh, say which one tastes the best. Oh, no, wait, uh, wait I'll a minute. I'll tell you what. I- I'll just put you down for preserves. I'll get somebody else to take over the rest of the stuff. No, but... Uh, well, nobody's I got a meeting in the barbecue committee over the general store. Yeah, uh, but... Uh, you'll be at the schoolhouse 9 o'clock in the morning. That's yep. when the judge is supposed to start. But why... Oh, does... What... what... Where's the idea of me giving out blue ribbons for preserves? I, 
Why, I couldn't tell peach from grape if it wasn't for the color. Well, well, there wasn't any sense of me standing here in the funeral parlor worrying about it. So I went back to the hotel to fix up for supper. Yeah? Who is it? Bessie Maddenbrit. Uh, oh, oh uh, well, just a second. Uh, well, well, won't you come in, Bessie? Well, thanks. Oh. Mm. Hey. Well, you're looking well. Oh, so are you, Britt. So are you. My goodness, I don't think I've ever seen you look better. No, now, Bessie. Well, now, what I come by for was to pick you up and take you over to our house for supper. Uh, oh. You don't have no other plans, do you? D- uh, no. No, I was just going to eat here at the hotel. Oh, you don't think we'd let you eat at the hotel, Britt? Why, you're one of our closest friends, always have been. Well, I... I don't know why Rome didn't invite you when you met up this afternoon. Guess he just took it for granted that you'd know I'd be expecting you. We're having fried chicken, hot biscuits, some of my strawberry preserves. Oh, you do like chicken, don't you, Britt? Oh, oh, sure, sure. Well, I... what are we waiting for? I've got my surrey outside, and I'd be glad... Well... Oh, oh, excuse me, Bessie. Of course, Brad, of course. Brad, well, I just heard that you were in Tower Rock, and I wanted to tell you Kermit and I are expecting you for supper. Now, I won't take no for an... Oh. Oh, I thought you were alone. Didn't mean to interrupt anything. You're a little late, Thelma. Brit's having supper with Rome and me. Huh. Might have expected you'd pull a stunt like this, Bessie Madden. Trying to bribe him, huh? Bribe ladies. And ladies, I suppose I... you didn't ask him to supper yourself. This is one time you can't lie out of it, Thelma. I heard you with my own voice. There's no reason I shouldn't ask him. Britt's a friend of mine. A friend of yours? You've never put yourself out for him before. Not once in your whole life. Bessie. And since when were you so interested in his welfare? Thelma. The minute you found out he was going to be judging the preserves tomorrow, that's when. Preserves? As if I had any cause to try and influence him. My strawberry preserves have won first prize at every county fair for the last ten years. Yes, but I have never entered against you before. I let you win, but this time it's going to be different. You're just making a fool of yourself, Thelma. You couldn't cook up a strawberry preserve if your life depended on it. <laughs> I've got Mama's recipe, too, and don't you forget it. Now, hold and on. All there, I have now, hold on. Now, just hold on here now. Now, I want to get this straight. Now, both of you have entered your strawberry preserves in the fair tomorrow. I've entered my preserves. Can't speak for her. No, mine will be there, too. Don't you worry about that. And I'm supposed to judge between them, is that it? Oh, the Spears said you'd agreed to do it. That's right. Well, Britt... Just wait till I get my hands on Oda Spears. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Well, I told Thelma and Bessie that I couldn't have supper with either one of them. Matter of fact, I kind of plain lost my appetite, I guess. I, I, I did take me a while to get rid of them, though. They, they, both of them kept lagging behind, wanting to get the last word in. But finally they went home. Well, Otis Spears wasn't at the funeral parlor, so I went over to Widow Berkeley's boarding house where he lived and waited for him. It was after 9 o'clock before he showed up. 
Miss Berkeley had already gone to bed, and I heard the front door open, and I saw him head for the hall steps. I just uh, hold on, Otis. Huh? Oh, oh, Brad. Well, what, what are you doing here? I just wanted you to know that I won't be judging any preserves tomorrow. What? You heard me, Otis. But, but Brad, you promised you'd do it. I didn't promise any such kind of a thing. And I don't appreciate your trying to get me in the middle of this feud between Thelma Bingham and Bessie Madden, either. Oh, you, uh, you found out, huh? I sure did. Well, they were over to see me, both of them. Oh, I never heard such a hen squabble in my whole life. Well, I told you this thing between them was serious. Well, there were a few things you didn't tell me, like the fact that they're both entering strawberry preserves at the doings tomorrow. Well, no, no, Britt, you don't understand it. I you? understand, all right. You didn't want to tackle the job of judging those preserves yourself, so you shifted on me. I understand, all right. I couldn't judge them, Britt. Don't you see? Whichever way I was to choose, I'd make enemies of half the folks in town. My burying business would drop off 50%. Now, Otis, Yeah, not but, but, but you're an impartial judge, Britt. You ain't taking no sides in this fracas yet. And what's more, I don't intend to, either. Well, of course, that's the way you feel. If you want Thelma and Bessie to go on feuding, and you won't do nothing to stop it. Well, I, I sure don't see how my judging their preserves to have anything to do with ending their fight. It's this way, Brett. You're the six-shooter. Everybody in Tower Rock likes you and respects you, and they all know you ain't got no axe to grind in this affair, so whatever decision you handed down, they'd have to accept it. Both Thelma and Bessie. Oh, maybe they would, maybe they would. Oh, they would, all right. Now, what I'm getting at is this, Brett. Folks have forgotten about the two surreys by now. The argument's going way past that. And these here preserves have just about become the, 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 the crux of the matter. You see, Bessie's always been known for making the best strawberry preserves in the whole county. They're her cheap claim to fame, you might say. Why, she's even took blue ribbons at the state fair. Oh, that's so. And nobody's even thought of entering against her, not for years and years. Not until this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh -huh. Now, if Thelma's preserve should be judged better than Bessie's, well, that'll mean Thelma's beat her on her own ground. Bessie wouldn't have a leg to stand on. She'd just have to admit that Thelma won out, and, uh, well, that might settle the trouble between them. Mm-hmm. You think that'd be best, Otis, for Thelma's preserves to win? You... Well, not necessarily. You see, if Bessie should take the blue ribbon again, well, that'll sort of show everybody that she's still top dog, in the preserve line anyway. And folks who've been supporting Thelma might uh, swing over to Bessie's side. And that might settle everything, too. Mm -hmm. the, way, the way you've got it figured out, it wouldn't matter who wins. Uh, either way, the fight would be over, is that right? That's right. That's uh -huh. it, exactly. Well... That's... Of course, what? it's possible that Thelma's taking first prize might just make Bessie madder than ever and sort of add fuel to the fire. And it's possible that if Bessie was to win again, well, uh... Vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. I'd say it's more than possible. I'd say it's likely. Oh, now, Britt, you mustn't, you mustn't look on the dark side. I'm absolutely certain that if you make the right decision tomorrow, you'll end this whole thing once and for all. Thelma and Bessie will go back to being fond of each other, and Tower Rock can have a little peace and quiet for change. I see. And just what is the right decision, Otis? Why, that's easy, Britt. It is, huh? Well, sure. All you have to do is, uh, is give the blue ribbon to whichever one made the best taste in preserves. You don't think we're running a crooked county fair, do you?
sir, I never saw a fellow like Otis Spears. He could talk circles around a Philadelphia lawyer. Well, finally, I saw that if I was going to get any sleep at all that night, I'd just have to give in. But I made up my mind to one thing. I wasn't going to have Thelma or Bessie turning on me, either one of them. I was going to say that their preserves tasted exactly the same and call it a tie. And that way there wouldn't be any harm done, and I'd be leaving things just the way I found them. Of course, I didn't tell Otis what I was planning to do or anything. I just promised that I'd meet him at the schoolhouse in the morning. Good. I knew you'd come around, Rit. When you saw how much I needed you, I knew you couldn't let me down. Well, Otis... I'll I... walk you to the door. Never mind, never mind. I'll find my way out. Night. Night, Rit. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, uh, say... Uh, uh-huh. There, there was one thing I forgot to tell you. It sort of slipped my mind. No, oh, what's that? Well, in case you have any trouble deciding as to whose preserves are the best, well, there couldn't be a tie. Uh, there couldn't be. Uh, why not? Oh, well, uh, you could call it a tie, but uh, that would still mean that Thelma had won. How's that? Well, don't you see, Brett? If Thelma's strawberry preserves are just as good as Bessie's, well, folks would think that Thelma had been letting her sister win all these years by not contesting with her before. No, no, a tie would be the same as giving the prize to Thelma. You do see that, don't you? Huh? Uh, yes. Uh, sure, oh, uh, well, so long. So long, uh, Britt, and may the best woman win. Britt. Oh, uh, oh, Britt. Oh, oh, hello, Kermit. Uh, you're up pretty late, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been looking for you. For me? Oh. Yeah, well, Britt, I, I think this quarrel between Thelma and Bessie and between Rome and me and all the rest of it, 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 well, I think it's gone entirely too far. You do? Well, I'm glad to hear you say so. But if Bessie and Rome won't come to their senses, well, they've just got to be taught a lesson. And maybe Thelma's right. Maybe the fair tomorrow is the place to do it. What? Well, at least everybody will be there to see Bessie when she gets her comeuppance. <laughs> that is, if Thelma's strawberry preserves... Well, what, I, what I'm getting at is this. Now, Thelma's just got to win, Britt. If she don't, my life will just be miserable. And Thelma's got a real knack for making me miserable. <laughs> waiting here in your room, but but I just had to see you. Bessie sent me. Well, it was the same thing over again from Rome, except that he was a little more forceful than Kermit. Well, after he'd gone, I tried to get some sleep, but all night long, I just kept dreaming about strawberry preserves, jars and jars of strawberry preserves. Uh, well, anyway, I finally woke up. It was after 7 o'clock, nearly three hours after my usual getting up time. I somehow didn't feel very rested either. I got dressed and I stopped off at Gravy Gibson's Cafe for some breakfast. Not that I could eat very much. Then I started off in the direction of the schoolhouse. And the judging was already underway when I got there. And, uh, and uh, second prize goes to Mrs. Hal Spidle, 
for her devil's food cake. Honorable mention to Mrs. Johnny Seals for her chocolate lair. Honorable mention to Miss Addie Simpson for her sponge. Now, uh, let's see, the next item is... Uh, Oh, yes, yes. Uh, preserve. Whoa. Preserve. Uh, I don't see you. Uh... Oh, there he is. All right, right up here, Britt. Right up here. <laughs> there he is. Oh, excuse me. Beg your pardon. <laughs> well, folks, I guess you all know Britt Ponzi. <laughs> well, Britt has been kind enough to volunteer his services in judging the preserve. Now, uh, let's see. I believe there are... Uh, well, only two entries. Well, yeah, that's right, too. Uh, both strawberry. Yeah, quite a coincidence. <laughs> yes. Well, the first entry, first entry is uh, submitted by Mrs. Bessie Madden. Bessie Madden. And uh, the uh, second entry comes from uh, Mrs. Thelma Bingham. Yes, now, uh, I'll just unscrew the caps on these jars. Hey, goodness gracious. Miss Madden doesn't know her own... There we are. Uh, You can just use a spoon there on the table, Brett. It's clean. (laughs) All right, if you're ready. Here's the first jar. Mrs. Uh, Bessie Madden. uh, Thanks, Uh, Otis. Brett, be careful. Golly, I don't know how that happened, Otis. I thought I had a good, firm grip on it. I, well, I sure am sorry. Yeah, I'll bet you will. Yeah. Well, folks, I... Seems we had a little accident up here. Uh, Mrs. Madden's preserves are kind of divided between the floor and Britt's trousers. I, I just don't know what we can do under the circumstances. Uh, looks like... Uh, yeah, we, we'll have to rule that... There's only one entry available for tasting. You just and, uh, rule no such thing, Otis Spears. I've got another jar of my preserves right out in the hall. Oh, another jar? Bring them along. Cigarette. There might be a slip-up somewhere. I'll be right back. <laughs> well, that, uh, uh, that was sure far-sighted of Bessie, wasn't it, folks? <laughs> well, while we're waiting, uh, Britt can go ahead and taste Mrs. Bingham's jar. Well, here you are, Britt. I'll hold it for you. Just spoon right in. Well... Uh huh. Here now, and I'd appreciate it if you'd see that nothing happens to this one, Otis. Hey, don't worry, Bessie. Don't you worry. Uh, yeah, yeah. That one come off a little easier. All right, Britt. These are Mrs. Madden's. Uh, go right ahead. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you had enough? Yeah, yeah. I, I've had enough. <laughs> oh, all right, folks, all right. Quiet down, quiet down. Britt Ponsett is ready to announce his decision. Well, uh, <clears throat> it's my opinion that I, I, uh, I, I want to be sure of one thing first. Now, uh, now, I understand that my job is to say whose preserves taste the best. Is that right? I'm supposed to pick the best-tasting strawberry preserves in the whole county. Is that right, Otis? Uh, that's right, Britt. That's right. Yeah. Ah, all right, then. Now, these preserves of Mrs. Madden's, 
They're very good. I... Now, you might say they're excellent. But I've, I've had better. Now, there's no doubt about it. I've tasted better. And right here this morning, too. Right here in Tower Rock. Now, now, Mrs. Bingham's preserves here. Now, they're... They're good. No. No, they're more than good. They're excellent, too. But they're not the best. What? Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen... To me, the best-tasting strawberry preserves in Foster County are the ones I ate this morning at Gravy Gibson's Lunchroom. No, I, I, I'm awarding the blue ribbon to Gravy Gibson. You, no, you see that he gets it, will you, Otis? Wait, you, you can't do this. Gravy Gibson wasn't even entered. No, you told me you wanted me to pick the best-tasting preserves in the county, and that's what I've done. Why, the very idea, comparing our preserves to the kind of thing Gravy Gibson serves up. It's an outrage. I've never been so insulted in all my whole life. Now, you see here, Brett Watson. If you think you can get away with why, this. Why, for ten years, Bessie's preserves have been winning blue ribbons. And Thelma used the same recipe I did, our mother's recipe, and nobody's ever had a finer recipe for strawberry preserves than Minnie Whitford. That's right. Now, just a minute. Don't you just a minute, Oscar. No, sir. Why, half the time you can't even eat Gravy Gibson's food. Why, everybody knows that. Of course. Well, this is the last county fair I'm ever going to enter Otis Spears. And that goes for me, too. Bessie, come on, let's get out of here. The sooner, the better. Well, don't just stand there, Kermit. Can't you see we're leaving? Uh, yes, dear, yes. No? Come along. Yes, Bessie. Why, did you see that, Brett? They went off together. All four of them. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it looked all right. If that don't beat the Dutch. (laughs) You got them so mad at you, they all went off together. (laughs) I might have known you was up to something. Hmm? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Otis. I was just giving my considered opinion about strawberry preserves. You know, <laughs> you know the funny thing about it was it's true what I said. The preserves I'd had and my breakfast toast over Gravy Gibson's did taste better than Thelma's or Bessie's. Of course, the fact of the matter was, I really couldn't taste their preserves at all. I just burned the daylights out of my tongue drinking Gravy's coffee. Oh, couldn't taste a thing afterwards. Boy, that was miserable coffee if I ever... The Gravy sure is a terrible cook. (laughs) 